Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin plays at an MVP level. When the Pella people left, you had no idea they had been here. You just had the new window. Pay as low as $19 a month per window or $75 per month on patio doors. Visit PellaWI.com today. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Welcome to the show for a Thursday afternoon. I am reminded, I was reminded this morning again, that people do, in fact, listen to the program. So this morning... I had a number of interviews that we were doing with with advertisers, and um, you're going to be hearing from my new friends, Todd and Peggy, coming up over the course of next week or two. But Peggy was down here doing an interview, and she said, I I just, I listen all the time. And I had not met her before, and she said, where's your Jimmy Buffett shirt? And if you were listening to the program on Tuesday, of course, we've got, we did a segment about this, and I think if you're a regular listener's program, you know I'm a huge Jimmy Buffett fan, and still, just still can't get over the fact that he passed away over the weekend after a, a long battle with a, a very, very aggressive form of skin cancer. And it's just, it's, I mean, the tributes just continue to come in. But I, I mentioned on Tuesday's show, and I've said this before, that over the years, I collected Jimmy Buffett shirts. I collected shirts from Margaritaville, Las Vegas, and Margaritaville, Key West. Key West, of course, which remains one of my happy places. And, of course, all the various shows and the tour shows that I've seen over the years. And we have accumulated these, and there's so many of the shirts that I was told I had to move them out of the closets. And now my my wife, we we stack them up in, in these different containers, these plastic containers, and we put them in the basement and... Every six months or so, she rotates them. Okay, I'm going to take 20 out now, and you can wear these 20, and then we'll put these other 20, you know, out of circulation. And and, and it's and it's fine. But in there, there's a number of tour shirts. So I decided in, you know, recognition and honor of the passing of Jimmy Buffett over, like, last weekend, the Labor Day weekend, I was going to dig out a couple of the tour shirts, and I was going to wear them. And I wore one on uh, the program on Tuesday, and we had lots and lots of people who, who tuned in. I said, okay, I'm going to wear them the balance of the week. Well, no show yesterday. So today I come in, and I brought a shirt, but a tour shirt, but I, I did not have it. I, did, I was not wearing it. And so I, I run into Peggy, who is down here to tape a commercial, and she says, where's your, tar- your, where's your shirt? I said, what do you mean? She, I was wearing a shirt. She said, no, where's your Jimmy Buffett shirt? You said you were going to wear one. I said, well, actually, I, I do. I, I have it. I just haven't put it on yet. She said, well, we have an expectation. So for those of you who don't believe I'm necessarily a man of my word, I am, and you can see this if you tune in on our YouTube. You can watch us on YouTube. Just go to WTMJ.com. We've got our own YouTube channel, or you can go to WTMJ.com and just click the Watch Live button, and you can see this. But I am, in fact, this is a tour shirt from the Year of Still Here 2008 tour, and I, I don't remember if I bought this at Alpine Valley or if I purchased it at Las Vegas. I saw both shows. I saw two shows of that tour this year. But here, this is what we do. It is our visual aid. I just want to prove I am, in fact, a man of my words. So if you are watching us on the YouTube channel or through WTMJ.com, this is um, this is the front. And that is the back. 
<laughs> so it's a kind of colorful thing. And, and you understand why probably once you see these shirts that my wife only allows me to have about 15 in rotation at any sort of given time. But yes, I and tomorrow we will have another tour shirt as we kind of wind up the week. All right. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I sent out a number of postings, but there is one that I, I really hope people pay attention to. Uh, there is a new CNN poll that's out. And, and before you roll your eyes and say, I don't believe polls, this one of the things I think of that's so interesting with polls is when you start to see a consistency that emerges, that's when you need to, to pay attention to this. And this is a poll that is done by CNN, which mirrors poll results that we have seen over the course of the last couple weeks that say the American people want an alternative to Joe Biden. These poll numbers involving Joe Biden are absolutely brutal. And I've got a link to this. Let me let me go through some of these and then I'll kind of wrap up with where I, I want to be. Um, Joe Biden. Uh, let's see if you look at the numbers involving here. Thirty nine percent approve of his job status. 58%. So that's 39%. So he's underwater. You know, anytime you've got an incumbent that's under 50%, that's a problem. Three years into his term, Joe Biden is under 40%. That screams huge problem. 58%. Almost six out of 10 voters say the policies have made the economic conditions in the U.S. worse, which is, I think, an accurate point. That's up eight points since last fall. So it's getting worse, not better. And they were never really good. 70% say things in the country are going badly. 51% say the government should be doing more to solve the nation's problems. 58% say they have an unfavorable impression of Joe Biden. 45% say that Biden cares about people um, like them. 45%, below 50%, only 33% describe him as someone they're proud to have as president. These numbers are brutal. Three quarters of Americans say they're seriously concerned that Biden's age might negatively affect his current level of physical and mental competence. 73%. And, and let's just go back here. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you are honest, Joe Biden, we've talked about this before, is too old to be reelected as the president, period. Um, 76% are concerned that he could not be able to serve out another full term if re-elected. 67% um, uh, believe that he will be, of Democrats, believe that he will be the nominee. But at the same time, um, 67% also believe that the party should nominate someone else. I could go on and on about this, but these are these are terrible poll numbers and they're they're getting worse people don't believe that he's done anything to help the economy and he's made it worse and i think it's almost impossible to argue with that people are concerned about his age there is no way in the world that joe biden should win if he runs for re-election however there is something that's out there that could help him and that is if donald trump is the republican nominee in this poll Donald Trump and Joe Biden are neck and neck. You have a president with absolutely abysmal poll numbers. 
where you have people, including Democrats, who are begging for an alternative. They want a different choice. And yet when you put when you make that other choice, Donald Trump, it's essentially a dead heat, which, again, demonstrates to me that given the fact that Donald Trump is just despised by not only Democrats, but a lot of independents and a chunk of Republicans, it's why nominating Donald Trump again to be president would be absolutely insane. So what is the big takeaway? Well, they then do a comparison of of the, the race if Joe Biden were to run against other Republican candidates. He loses to almost every Republican candidate, but it's within the margin of error, with one exception. Would you like to guess who that exception is? Okay, give you a second to think about it. Is it Mike Pence? No. Is it Tim Scott? No. Is it Chris Christie? No. Is it Ron DeSantis? No. No, the answer is Nikki Haley. In the CNN poll, they say, okay, who would you vote for against Joe Biden? Nikki Haley pulls 49% of the vote. Joe Biden pulls 43%. He gets crushed by six points. For all the other Republican candidates, it's a horse race. It's, it's Maybe he's ahead by a point. Maybe he's behind by a point. But it's essentially a, a horse race. Nikki Haley is clearly the candidate who is rising. She's clearly the candidate that gives this alternative approach. And she's clearly the candidate that beats Joe Biden, which is one of the reasons I continue to believe that Donald Trump is not at the end of the day. And I know some of you disagree with me, and I understand this conventional wisdom out there. But at the end of the day, he is not going to be the Republican nominee. I firmly believe that. And I think it's looking more and more likely that Nikki Haley is going to emerge as the Republican nominee. And in a matchup between Nikki Haley and Joe Biden, it's not even going to be close. And that is something that anybody who does not like the Biden presidency Anybody who is a Republican or Republican-leaning voter needs to consider. You need a candidate who is who can win. I've always said I want the most conservative candidate who I believe has a chance to win, and it's very, very clear that Nikki Haley is the one who is emerging from the pack. This, this poll demonstrates that. Joe Biden is incredibly unpopular. Joe Biden is incredibly vulnerable. And the only question will be, you know, are Republican voters in the primary election going to choose the Republican candidate who can take advantage of that and can win? For too long, I've seen in Senate races and in congressional races and in local races and in state Supreme Court races, you know, the conservatives have gone ideologically pure and they've ended up choosing candidates who cannot win. In the case of Nikki Haley, the numbers are right there. Will people realize that? Time will tell. When we come back, the guy says, it was like I hit the lottery. I will explain. We will discuss. Yeah, if 
you're wondering what candidate emerged from the first Republican debate, it's clearly Nikki Haley. And matter of fact, there's another story. She's out in New Hampshire campaigning a lot. And they're talking about how the crowd she is drawing have increased dramatically from when she first announced her campaign in the summer. And that's, as I've said before, that's one of the things that's, that's going to have to happen. There's going to have to be Donald Trump has 25 percent of the Republican primary voters who are, are locked in. And so the question becomes, if there's eight candidates that are out there that split the remaining vote, yeah, 25 or 30 percent can win you primaries. If it narrows down to, I don't know, Donald Trump and an alternative or two alternatives, I I think that's where you start to see how the Trump campaign ends up getting in trouble. And I think that's how it's going to ultimately play out. So just just watch the Nikki Haley effect. She's starting to move the numbers. Okay, want to tell you. About a story about a guy named Robert Withington, 56 years old guy, lives in Trumbull, Connecticut. Here's apparently what happens. Um, the story is that back on May 30th, well, here's the way the reports lists. All right, what happens is on May 30th, which is a Tuesday, What's happening is um, an employee of the town's tax collector office was unable to locate a bank deposit bag while making a delivery to the bank. So like the town's tax collector has all these different bags that have checks and cash and things like that in them, and they are making a deposit. So what happens is the employee said, hey, when we get at the branch of the bank that we deposit, we noticed that one of our bank bags was missing. All right. The deposit bag was clearly marked with the bank's insignia and contained numerous documents that identified the owner of the contents as the town of Trumbull. So this would be like, I don't know, you know, at at what happens is, you know, you have businesses, bars, restaurants or whatever, where, you know, you, you get the you have the receipts that you've accumulated at the end of a night or at the end of a couple of nights or whatever, and you put them in the bank bag and you go to make the deposit. So when they get there, the employee notices that one of these deposit bags is missing. All right, so you call the, the cops. Detectives conducted numerous interviews, obtained search warrants, and reviewed multiple surveillance videos from local businesses over the course of several months. And what they found was this bank deposit bag had been inadvertently dropped on the ground outside the bank. Okay, so the, the, the guy that's delivering or the gal that's delivering it drops it. Huh? Not a good thing. But now it's gone. So after their investigation, what they find is this Robert Withington, 56-year-old guy, he's leaving the bank. Apparently, as the courier or the employee is coming into the bank, so Withington sees this bag in, in front of the bank on, on the sidewalk. Now, again, it's it's a bank. It's a bag that's marked. You know, it's got the bank's insignia on the outside. So it's clearly intended for that. And then if you open it up, in addition to cash and things like that, it's got all sorts of information indicating where it came from. So this isn't like, hey, I was just walking down the street and I found a, a $20 bill. This is a bank bag. All right. So. There, there's a couple different things that people could do with this. You could say, oh, 
that this is inadvertently lost. You could call the town of Trumbull and say, hey, guess what? I was walking out of the bank and I found this deposit bank with all these deposit slips and stuff that belongs to you. You could do that. You could take the bag and you could go back into the bank and say, hey, guess what? I, I found this, you know, as I was walking out of the bank. That is not what Robert Withington decided to do. He admitted being present at the bank, and he admitted to taking the bag. All right, he took the bag. He further told police that he did not feel obligated to return the bag. He said, if I knew I was wrong in the first place, I would have given it right back. I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. Anybody who knows me knows I'm all about, all, all I'm about is generosity. After living in this town for 20 years, I'm not looking for any trouble at all. I've never had a criminal record in my life. This is a crock of baloney. I found money, and now it's going to probably cost me money. He says that because he has now been charged with grand larceny after pocketing almost $5,000 in cash that he found in the parking lot outside of the bank. He's like, oh, this is just all BS. I mean, I, I cannot believe that they are going to charge me, you know, with this. He said, I had no idea by keeping this money it was wrong. He says, you know, these people that are dropping this off, they're almost always escorted by police in a police car when they make a deposit. They don't go to the bank alone. 855-616-1620. Guy finds this bank, ba- this bag in the parking lot outside of the bank, $5,000 in cash, plus all sorts of other documents indicating where it came from. He says, how dare they charge me with larceny? 855-616-1620. Do you have any sympathy for this guy? Or is he, what's the word I'm looking for? A thief who deserves everything he gets. 855-616-1620. He says, it's, it's, it's like I won the lottery. I can't believe that I'm in trouble for pocketing this money. If I thought I had done anything wrong, I wouldn't have kept it. You buying that? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the old National Bank talk and text line. So, okay, again, the, 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 town, of Trump, the town of Trumbull, Connecticut, you know, they, they collect they collect taxes, people go in, people pay in cash, people pay with checks, all those different things. They are making a bank deposit, just like people who work, I don't know, in restaurants or bars. You know, you have that the bank bag and you put all the stuff in and you go and you, you go to the bank and you, you end up dropping it off. So you've got somebody from the clerk's office who is delivering a series of bank bags and drops one. So gets there and recognizes they've dropped one, they look for it, they can't find it, it's gone. And it stays gone for months. The investigators start to do a search. They look at all, they interview people. They look at all sorts of, you know, footage. I'm sure the poor whatever who was supposed to drop this off at the bank, I'm sure he or she was, was target number one. Oh yeah, you, you didn't get that there. Ultimately, they settle on this 56 year old guy, Robert Worthington, who apparently was, was coming out of the bank 
as the people that were making the deposit were coming in, the guy finds the bank bag. It's marked with the bank's insignia on the outside, and you open it up, and it's clear what it is. It's deposits from the town of Trumbull. So this isn't a deal like, hey, you're walking down the street, and you find a $20 bill, and there's nobody around. It's not even like you find a wallet, and there's no identification. This is a bank bag with deposit slips. So what does the guy do? He takes it. <laughs> he takes it, $5,000 plus in cash. Ultimately, you know, they're able to link this to him. They go out, they find him. He says, I felt like I hit the lottery. I can't believe I'm being charged with grand theft larceny. If I thought there was something wrong about this, I just, you know, I would have kept it. One of our texters, I assume tongue in cheek, says finders keepers. But all right, is this guy, do you buy this defense? Do you think he finds this bank bag in the parking lot? Should he be able to keep that money? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Peter and Glendale. Peter, you're first. Good afternoon. I can't believe this guy. Um, I, I was going to say something. I think the, the original comment from this teller was that something about baloney that I was going to say with the, with the crock of baloney he saw. He could run for office. He'd sit right <laughs> in with modern politicians. Yeah. So, not to name any, of course. Yeah, but, so baloney. Yeah. You're, you're, not, you're not buying this line. Gee, I thought it was. I thought no. I could keep it. Yeah. You find the bag and right outside the bank? Yeah. It, it, unbelievable. Yeah, and, and then you the, right. Thanks for calling. Right, no, I, and, and then you have the audacity. See, this guy is a thief. This is yes. Is it a little bit different than okay, walking in and um, you know holding up the bank? Yes, it, it is. But this is money that did not belong to him. There's no reasonable basis, I think, that you can argue that this belonged to you. And, you know, a couple of our texters are making the point about this is is karma. You know, Jeff, same thing happened to me. I was walking into a very busy quick trip in West Dallas two weeks ago. In front of the store was a $10 bill. I quickly grabbed it and went inside and in front of at least 40 people handed it to one of the clerks. The one guy asked me if I was crazy. I told him it's not mine and karma would find me if I did not return it. Karma found that dude and I hope he pays. Right. Now, look, I understand. And we've talked about this in different situations over the years. Sometimes... It's a tougher call. Um, sometimes, like I say, look, you're in the parking lot of the Metro Mart and, you know, in the shopping cart return corral, you see that there's a $20 bill there. Okay. And there's nobody around. You know, a, you know, w- what are you going to do? Take the $20 bill and go into the Metro Mart and say, I found this $20 bill out there. I mean, how, you know, that, that's a different one. You know, and, and again, would you do it if, if you say, Jeff, what if you found, what if you found a wallet with $500 in it, no identification? Well, that to me, yeah, I'm taking that into the Metro Mart, and I'm saying I, I found this there. $20 bill, I don't know, and I don't know where the threshold is. But all those, you find it in good faith, assume that you have no idea who the rightful owner of this is. In this case, there's no argument that the guy knew that they're who the rightful owner was, and you knew what was intended to happen. It's marked you know, with a bank's insignia, you found a box, I found a bag that was going to be deposited into the bank. So you, you know what the intent was. This is also one of those examples of just kind of like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, I'm, the guy apparently, his, his business is he runs like a dog training business or something. I mean, I wonder how this would have happened, how he would have felt if, you know, he had dropped his, you know, weekly deposits from, you know, his business and he would have dropped it on the way to the bank and some clown comes along and decides, well, I don't have to, you know, return it. 
Let's talk to Scott in Wauwatosa. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Man says he thought he won the lottery. He can't believe that they're charging him. Yeah, uh, he's full of uh, yeah, you know, baloney. Like, <laughs> okay, you see, see a, you see a, yeah, you see a bag in front of the bank, and you see the logo. I'm 49. When I when I was raised, my mom and dad raised me to if you find something, take it back. Okay, um, you're right by the bank. You know, there's probably a reason why he's so generous is he finds things and he <laughs> gives it to other people. You know, yeah, that's other yeah. people's property. Yeah, but, yeah quote unquote, uh, finds things. Say, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Nine times out of ten, probably when I was uh, growing up, people would turn right back around and give it to the bank. Nowadays, probably like the divorce rate, 50-50. Yeah, no, th- thanks for so going right. I mean, right or, 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 exactly. No, thanks, and I guess, I w- see, I, one of the reasons I bring this up is because I think in this case, the, the right thing is so obvious to do. But but the guy is is arguing about oh I I can't believe that these authorities would charge me for this I mean it's not like I stuck a gun in the face of the teller or it's not like I held the guy up as he was walking in no but it doesn't belong to you here's one of our texts Jeff I found one hundred twenty dollars in cash in the parking lot at a Target um, I had my five year old daughter uh, with me. And as soon as we found it, we marched that money right into customer service and told the customer service guy where we found it. There were standards that we were brought up with, set a good lesson for the child, do the right thing. Yeah, that's, you know, and and again, of course, one of the things is you wonder in that situation, you wonder, you know, what's going to happen once you turn it over to, to customer service. And I understand the argument would be, well, if if all they're going to do is is keep it, if the people behind Target are going to keep it, well, I can. I'm the one that found it. You know, maybe I should be entitled to it. But but at the same time, it doesn't make it right. It's it's not yours. And I appreciate that when you find when you find just stuff like cash, you know, lying in the parking lot or something, it is maybe a tougher call. And it obviously is also going to depend on what the dollar amounts are and things like that and what the likelihood is that it's going to be able to be returned to its rightful owner. But when you know who the rightful owner is, you find that wallet and there's, I don't know, some identification card in it or things of the like. To me, it's not even close, no question. Um, Jeff, many years ago, I went through the drive-thru at my local bank. The cashier accidentally gave me an extra $100. I had a decision to make. Do I drive off with the extra 100 or do I return it to the cashier? I did the right thing, went back through the drive-thru, returned the money. She was so happy and relieved because they, that would have come out of her drawer. Right, um, right. The, the cashier ultimately would have been on the hook for that. I guess th- this is just how I've always felt about stuff. And, and I don't mean to be a goody two shoes about it, but I always try to think of it. All right. What if the situation were reversed? How would I feel if I'm going through? I don't know that the checkout at a grocery store or something and I am overcharged for, for something they, they've, they've charged me $40 more for something that then. I, I, there's a mistake and, and whatever, and I find that out. Do I expect them to refund my $40 that I've been overcharged? Absolutely. Well, shouldn't the flip side apply? If you know that you have been undercharged by $40, and I understand sometimes you, you, you just don't know those things, but if you say, wait, I, I something's going on here. I know how much this is supposed to be, 
And, you know, why is it I, I have $50 worth of stuff here. Why are you only charging me 25 And, I mean, if you know that is going on, I guess you can keep your mouth shut and you can, you know, hope that nobody catches it. But at some point in time, there's a series of, of, of accountability. I just the, the story caught my attention because I'm thinking, you know, and I like some of our texts that talk about karma. There is such a thing as karma out there. And this guy got slapped in it big time. No sympathy at all. And if he tries this defense with a judge or a jury, I've got one word, guilty. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. One of the people watching us on YouTube. By the way, we live stream on YouTube now. You can simply go to uh, YouTube.com, put in WTMJ, and you can follow us there. One of our uh, one of our viewers says it's like Uncle Billy and Mr. Potter on It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, where you know uh, that's exactly right. You've got you know Uncle Billy who's supposed to be making the deposit, and uh, they, they they something goes wrong, and they find it, and then he's going to foreclose, and it sets off the, the whole story. Except this is this is real life. Again, I don't, I don't want to belabor the point, but and a number of people are saying, well, what if you find cash and you bring it in and you give it to the person at the service desk? My guess is they're going to pocket it. That's a completely different story, and and that's. That's a completely different topic, and and I understand it presents a challenge when you find particularly a larger amount of money, and I don't know what that dollar amount is. I mean, if if I find five dollars in the cart corral at the local you know Piggly Wiggly store, um, and there's nobody around, I, I'm probably putting the five dollars in my pocket. If, if that makes me a bad person, well, it makes me a bad person. If I find a wallet with five hundred dollars, I'm clearly I'm taking it in. Um, and saying, hey, somebody looks like they dropped the wallet. And I don't know where that threshold is for, for all of us. But in this particular case, you knew where it belonged, and the guy decided to keep it, and he was arrogant about keeping it. Give me a break. Okay, for those of you who do not understand why taxes are so high in Milwaukee County, this is another one of these examples. It's the idea of virtue signaling, and when we are dealing with OPM, other people's money, this is how we are going to handle that. Now, if you in your real life, personal life, are buying a vehicle, you're going to buy a new car, you're probably going to have many factors that you consider. All right, you know, what? what's, what's the cost of the car? What's the value of the car? Um, you know, some of us have, have brand preferences. Maybe you're a Chevy guy. Maybe you're a Ford guy. Maybe you're a Honda guy. All those different things. They, they all play into it. And for some people, all right, I, I understand that, okay, where the car is made is, in fact, a, a factor. Although I will admit, I do not understand what makes a car an American-made car nowadays because you, you can buy a Honda or you can buy a Toyota, and those are not American car companies, but they are they are made, they are produced by American workers in the United States. You can buy a Ford or a Chevy, and they are not necessarily produced in the United States, and a number of the component parts that go into them aren't necessarily made in the United States. So, I mean, this whole question of what is an American-made car, we, we could talk about that for hours and hours and hours. But to me... If you are buying a car, typically what's going to happen is you're going to make this assessment, okay, I, I want the best car I can get that meets my needs at, the, at, at a value. And I'm not saying that's the cheapest car. I would never make that argument, but you want that to happen. So 
told you about this a couple weeks ago when it was proposed. It is now moving through the county board. The other day, the Milwaukee County Board of Supervisors, one of their committees, passed a bill which would require all eligible vehicle class fleet purchases to be vehicles produced by workers represented by the United Auto Workers to promote and support American-built products. So what that says is that the county is only going to spend taxpayers' dollars on buying for essentially Fords and Chevys. That, that's it. No Hondas, because Honda isn't represented by the UAW. No Toyotas, because no Toyotas are represented by the UAW. No Kias, no Hyundais. The list goes on. Essentially, it's just Fords and Chevys. No concern also about where the cars are are made. So, all right, hey, we we need a new fleet of SUVs. So we're looking at it, and, you know, we've decided that the best value would be a Honda CR-V or a Toyota RAV4 or, you know, a Nissan whatever. No, we're not going to look at those because even though those cars are, in many cases, made in America, they're not made by UAW workers, so we're not going to purchase them. So the result of this is that you have taxpayer funds that are being used to buy stuff that's only made by UAW workers, even though it might be inferior. I'm not saying that union workers produce inferior work, but maybe it's an inferior car for whatever reasons. You stack up the whatever Chevy to the the Toyota RAV4, in my example, or the Honda CR-V, or, or whatever. You stack it up, and by any objective standard, the Honda the Toyota, the Nissan, whatever, is a better car and a better value. Milwaukee County, if this resolution is passed by the common count, by the uh, county board, and there's no reason, given the way the county board thinks, there's no reason to believe it won't be. So the taxpayers in Milwaukee County, because they only want to buy stuff that's made by the UAW, will arguably be spending more money taxpayer money than they should and arguably by buying a, a perhaps inferior product now don't get me wrong i i look i, I i'm right now i drive a ford lincoln okay i i love the car i also you know have 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 a honda so i mean i i love i love them both i'm just saying but when i make that calculation as to what car i'm going to buy at the time it's okay what are the cars what what, what am i buying the car for what are the amenities how much does it cost etc etc that's how a rational purchasing decision should be made. And if you want to factor in the idea that, okay, well, maybe I, I really feel strongly about supporting a, a union, so I'm willing to spend more money and get a less uh, good product, if that happens to be the case, in order to support the union, well, go with God. That's fine. That's a decision that you're making with your private money. I respect that. But from the perspective of dealing with taxpayer money, I believe that, the in this case, the county board, but I'd say this is a common council, you know, should be making a decision based on what is the best value for the taxpayers. And by value, again, I don't just mean cost, but I mean quality. Factor all these things in. But the idea is that, that we're only going to buy those cars that are made by UAW workers because we want to support American industry. Well, all right, if you're buying a Toyota or a Honda that's made in Ohio, you're supporting American workers as well. And if, you know, one of the interesting questions would be to these members of the county board, what kind of cars do you drive? 
Are you only driving a Chevy or a Ford? Or, hey, do you have a key in your garage? Do you have, you know, a Toyota? Do you have a Honda? Do you have a Nissan? And if you have one of those in your driveway or one of your garage, why, why is that? And why shouldn't that be good enough for the taxpayers of Milwaukee County? I swear you can't make this stuff up. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff, I drive a company car. It's made by UAW. It has eight recalls on it. I think the county should look at those factors as well. Yeah, Jeff, it sounds like the county is supporting its biggest supporters, county officials. That would be quid pro quo. We'll contribute to the campaign, but remember that when you're buying vehicles. And and please, don't take this as a, gee, I don't like American cars or I don't like the cars that are made by UAW. That's that's not it. I've I've driven... Lots of Ford products over the years, and like I say, I currently own a Lincoln. I love it. Great car. But at the same time, you always, when you're making fleet purchases, you have to, I think, make these decisions on what what's the best value that, that's out there. Not to slavishly say, oh, this is made by the UAW, so even though the car might not score as high, even though the durability is not as great, even though the, the value isn't there compared to maybe another model car, we're going to go with this because it's made by UAW workers. Give me a break. Matter of fact, if you wanted to say, you know, we want to buy only cars that are manufactured in the United States because they're being built by American workers as well, I could I could perhaps understand, you know, that, but but that's not what they're saying. This is we're only going to buy cars made by the UAW, which dramatically limits the type of cars that the county can buy. It dramatically limits their negotiating power because when it's time to make these fleet purchases, oh, we need X number of you know vehicles for the county sheriff's department, or we need this or, or that or the other thing, instead of saying, okay, let's go around and let's check it out and let's find out where we can get the best deal. Again, not just the cheapest price, but the best deal. Now you can't do that. Now you're saying, okay, well, I'm limited to a certain couple model of vehicles, and that's all I can do. Maybe, you know, if you decide that you want to virtue signal with your own money, okay, that that's fine. That's, you know, I want to support, you know, unionized workers, so I'm only going to buy Ford products or I'm only going to buy Chevy products or I'm only going to provide buy, you know, uh, the, the other couple car companies that might be represented by the UAW. If you decide you want to do that with your own money, go with God. No problem. But when it's taxpayer money, it is a completely different story. When we come back, the final Jeopardy answer is 32 percent, 32 percent. I will give you the question and we will discuss. Plus, we'll give you another full view at the 2008 Jimmy Buffett tour shirt from the year of Still Here Tour. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, Greg Matzik, we were talking off the air and candidly, I, I, I see you having this more and more. You're, you're having your get off my lawn moments. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I was thinking you're you're I mean, I'm old enough to have those. <laughs> I'm, I'm old enough to like like to have the like Abe Simpson. Get off my lawn, you kids. But you're having more and more of them. We were talking about schools. Well, I, sorry, we did the story here, Dave Packer reporting that, you know, record heat is forcing schools to close early. And I think we had a story earlier this week uh, when temperatures and the heat index was somewhere around 100 that there was an early dismissal from school. And I'm trying to remember 
But I, I don't think, but the science rooms and maybe the library, those might have been the only air-conditioned spaces at Brookfield Central High School when I was growing up. I, I don't remember any other portion of the school ever being air-conditioned. You know, I was thinking that you mentioned, okay, so I went to Green Tree Elementary, which is now an, an aging hotel, and I went to Riverview Middle School, which is now like an aging hotel, and then I went to Glen Hills Middle School, first year it was open, and I, I know the first, and Nicolet, I don't think... Glen Hills might have been air-conditioned because it was new, but none of the other ones were. You're right. I mean, I remember, like, in spring and, like, early fall, you'd have all the windows open and you'd be hoping for a little bit. of. But they weren't air-conditioned, and somehow, somehow we survived. We made it through, although my my hair did fall out at the age of 24. (laughs) I I remember giant fans, like, in the gym, right? And, And you'd prop the door open or prop a window open. And it really didn't help all that much. It just brought all the hot air in toward the end of August. But I, I think if you wanted to cool off, you had to either be in the library or a chemistry lab. That was it. Otherwise, good luck. Hey, okay, right, so survival that, of the fittest. Yeah, so when it, in my day, yeah, there's we no go sat home through early. There's, there's no go well, oh. the, the, well, that's the other thing, too. Okay, so they, they closed down. It's not like it's going home. Where where do you think the the kids are are going to be going in large measure? You know? Anywhere but anywhere right and anywhere but home. And um, I'd be curious to see you know what the car theft rates look like, for example, on the days that they send people off. But but I, w- I was just listening to you. And I'm thinking, okay, well that's 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 good. I'm glad to see that even at your young age, you know, you're you're getting to the point of how you had to walk to school in the snowstorms uphill both ways and stuff. That's good. Darn right, right. It was awful, Jeff. E- exactly. But I lived through it. You lived. And I'm better for it. It, it. Right, exactly. <laughs> it was. Well, the other thing about MPS that, that made no sense to me is if they, they only closed for half a day. You know, it was like, okay, if it's too hot for the kids to be there, then it's too hot for the kids to be there. But you're going to spend all the money to get them there in the morning and then keep them there for three hours and then send them away. It's like, why don't you, if, if you feel that it's just too much of a situation, just just either just leave them home at the first in the just, first instance. Just punt school will start on, on time the next day. It, it, exactly, that was it. It's instead of spending all the money and going through all the effort to bring people home and screwing up uh, again adults' childcare things because for many mm. it's like okay we're going to come home at noon. Well, all right, I, I've still got to now. Do I have to take off early? Do I have to do these things? Yeah, it's a thing. So I was a little surprised to see that. I just don't remember an air conditioned lifestyle at school. Ah, those were the days. Yeah, huh? We that, sat through it every day. Those were the days. Greg, Sweating through study hall. Greg Matzik, hey, you kids, get off my lawn. I actually, I, I, and another thing, I love it. Absolutely. Um, I, a number of people are asking this. I, I And again, I, I'm just, I'm always amazed because lots of you listen and lots of you remember things as part of my Jimmy Buffett tribute. I, I have all these different tour shirts from over the years. I first started seeing Buffett in concert in sometime in the mid to late 1970s and of course accumulated tour shirts and other sort of stuff and jimmy buffett passed away on september 1st and so this week including today and tomorrow i've been wearing various shirts from various uh concerts that i saw this year's shirt is from the 2008 we're still here tour so if you know if this is just the added visual thing for those of you who watch us on youtube here here's what it looks like front and back Not saying it's the most artistic thing. My wife looks at it and says, "How much did you spend for that?" And that's just not the question. It's just it's just a memory of of you being there. So you can check it out. And uh, again, there's all sorts of ways that you could participate in the program, including again um, 
our, our watch live feature, which I know a lot of people take advantage of. And a lot of people listen to us um, on the podcast as well. Very much appreciate that. Okay, let's get serious. The final Jeopardy answer is 32%. 32%. And I have to admit that when I saw this story, I was extremely surprised. 32%. Here's the question. How many Milwaukee car crashes result in hit and runs? And according to research that today's TMJ4 has done, the answer is 32%. Let me put this in perspective. Three, three, a little more than three out of every 10 crashes involving a car result in a hit and run. That is, one of the individuals, one of the drivers involved, drives off. Three out of every 10 drive off. The numbers get even more staggering when you start to break them down. Okay, um, let's see. Annually, annually, there are over 6,000 hit and runs reported in the city of Milwaukee. 6,000 hit and runs. If you wonder why you hear so much advertising from attorneys and things like that, it's 6,000 hit and runs reported annually in Milwaukee. Not 6,000 car crashes, 6,000 hit and runs. All right, Milwaukee crash and analysts shows, um, again, 32% of all crashes in Milwaukee are hit-and-runs. That percentage is twice as high as the hit-and-run rate in Madison, Green Bay, and the state as a whole. whole. So statewide, 16% of car crashes are hit-and-run. You know, one and a half out of every 10. Milwaukee, it's 32%. Um, So you have a situation where you have, you know, people that are running from the scene on a regular basis. If you want to know something even scarier, uh, between 2019 and 2022, according to this report that they did on today's TMJ4, Milwaukee police records show only 26% of criminal hit-and-run cases involved an arrest. So 32% of Milwaukee crashes result in hit-and-runs. All right. That means that there's about 62, there's about 6,000 hit and runs reported annually. Of that, only about one in four result in an arrest. So you have people who are hitting and running. And, and it may, maybe it, it's, this isn't always, you know, killing pedestrians, but it's cars, you know, it's pedestrians, it's bicyclists, it's all these different things and driving off only Only one out of every four criminal hit-and-run cases involves an arrest. So if there's 6,000 hit-and-runs annually in Milwaukee, that means, I mean, do the math, that only 1,500 people are going to be arrested. Now, don't even ask me what happens once they get arrested. I mean, that that doesn't, then, then you get into the whole thing about, well, you know, are they going to be charged with a crime? Are they going to be put on probation? Are they going to be convicted? But the vast majority, almost three out of every four of the hit and runs are never prosecuted. Now, it always, you are never apprehended to even be prosecuted. Now, 
It always used to be. If you ever seen the movie Michael Clayton, it's a it's a movie with George Clooney. My producer Samantha is looking at me. You've, you've never seen Michael Clayton either. That's a it's um it's not an old movie by your definition, Sam. It, it's two thousand seven. So I mean, it's not it's not ancient. It's not like it's gone with the wind or anything. But there, there's a scene in the beginning of it where Michael Clayton he's a he's a lawyer who's kind of a fixer. He George Clooney plays the, the lawyer who's kind of a fixer. Um, so he works for a law firm, and when law firms big clients get in trouble, he's the guy that comes out and tries to you know help help them. And so in early on, there's a scene where one of the actors um, is a big client of the law firm, and he's been involved in a hit and run thing. And, you know, George Clooney is there and he's talking to the guy and he kind of explains to him very directly. He said, look, I, I'm not going to be able to get you off of this. You know, I, I you, you got to understand what happens. You know, hit and runs are real, real easy to solve. This is the low hanging fruit among police because, you know, typically there there are witnesses there's surveillance cameras. There's also damage to the car that's done. So at some point in time, you know, you're going to, if especially if this is your car, you know, you've left paint chips behind, you've left, you know, pieces of the mirrors behind or whatever, and you're going to have to have it fixed. And that means you're going to have to take it to a body shop or something like that, and somebody's going to notice it. You know, typically, hit-and-run situations are easy to clear because there's normally a lot of evidence. Now, admittedly, if it's a stolen car, it becomes a little bit more difficult. But hit and runs, there, there's there's lots of evidence that's typically out there, including the physical evidence of the, the car. So he, he says, oh, this is cops love these. That's why, you know, you got to realize you're in a, a whole lot of trouble. So I guess I, I was sort of staggered when I saw these numbers saying, first of all, 32% of Milwaukee crashes are the result of hit and runs. And of that 32%, only one out of every four of those hit and runs ends up, they, they find the people and they arrest them. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you know, we are collectively, all of us, at the mercy of these people who are out there driving and in many cases look it's all going to be related in many cases that the hit and runs are because the people don't have driver's licenses the maybe the like i say maybe the car is stolen there's no insurance on the vehicle they just don't care and they're willing to drive off so my guess is you know somebody doesn't just get involved in a hit and run and it's not their first time at the radio rodeo my guess is there's been numerous traffic and related offenses that are going on but the fact that this many cases are hit and runs, and not all hit and runs are the same. It's one thing when I say hit and runs. It, it might be somebody sideswipes a, a car and drives off, you know, a parked car, or it might be somebody, you know, guns down somebody who's in the middle of an intersection. You know, that's all lumped in into hit and run crashes. But the idea that there's this many, that thirty-two percent of all Milwaukee crashes result um, then lead to a hit and run. And only 25% of the hit and runs are ever prosecuted or ever even arrested to be prosecuted, I think is incredibly scary. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. We're really screwed up. You know, it, it's, I don't even know how to say it. We are really, really screwed up that we have let it come to this. That the fact that you know, we are putting ourselves at risk and we're letting a criminal element get away with this type of stuff. And if, if this means we've got to hire an, another 20 percent of police officers 
to vigorously try to enforce and investigate these things, I say we have to do it. You cannot, this is stuff that goes, number one, just to public safety, but number two, it goes right to the heart of quality of life. And my guess is, maybe if you're listening to me now, maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you've been a victim of this. You've gotten hit, somebody has driven off, and essentially the result is, well, there's not much we can do, or it's too hard to investigate these things. We, we can't allow this to continue, can we? 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620. I, you know, I want to say this. Today's TMJ4 has been doing an outstanding job, in my opinion, of analyzing traffic data and, and coming up with all these different inconvenient truths about how out of control things are. And, and this is one of these classic examples. Every year in the city of Milwaukee, there's about 6,000 hit and runs. 6,000 hit and runs. 32% of all Milwaukee crashes result in hit and runs. And of those, okay, of those 6,000 hit and runs, only um, what they say is only about 25%, about one in four, ever get to the point of where their chart, 26%, ever get to, ever result in an arrest. And then, of course, you know, once they result in an arrest, that's, there's no guarantee that that's going to lead to a conviction, no guarantee that that's going to lead to prosecution. That's a whole another story. But the truth of the matter is we are doing a lousy job of catching these people. And what's happening is you read – I mean, look, there's a face on every one of these victims of hit and run, whether, you know, it's somebody that you know that's been a pedestrian that's been hit or you come out and your car has been sideswiped by some idiot who's driven off and you've got a couple thousand dollars worth of damage or maybe it's a situation where you're driving through the intersection and boom somebody slams into you and drives off and it then becomes you know your burden to pick up the, you know all the costs that are incurred on this it's one of the reasons putting on my recovering lawyer hat where you know when you're talking to your insurance agent Everybody should be talking about underinsured and uninsured motorist coverage because that's what protects you when you get hit by the person that doesn't have any insurance or you get hit by the person who drives off in the hit and run. It's I, I think oftentimes that's that's not considered an, enough. People don't necessarily think about that, and and you should. Scott in Greendale. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff, you know, thanks for talking about this because, you know, obviously I support a tougher DA. Obviously I support more officers on the road like the vast majority of us do. But this was always something that was kind of distant to me, right? Like you hear the statistics and the first thing I say is it's not going to happen to me. But I I just want to share something with you. You know, I had dropped off my oldest daughter, Divine Savior, for field hockey practice a few weeks ago. And I learned how to fly out of Timmerman Field. So I decided I would drive up uh, from Divine Savior to Timmerman very close to each other. And when I was turning, uh, a driver going about 50 miles an hour, I was stopped dead in the intersection. And there was two little boys. Um, and you could see the fear in their eyes because they came about 10 feet away from hitting me head on. They went right into another car that was to my right and then took off flying down the street. Mm-hmm. And I guess the point was like, you know, you always think, Oh, I'm going to be ready for this or I'm going to have reaction time. No, nope, not at all. I was a deer in the headlights. My life was there. I was right. in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I guess what I'm trying to say is 
yes, I support a tougher stance, like you're saying. And yes, this is truly real. And those statistics, um, they're closer to you than you think. So I just wanted to add that to you. No, thanks for the perspective, Scott. You know what I mean? This is, you know, today's TMJ4, the, the story that has this. I mean, they're they're talking to somebody whose um, son was injured um, just incredibly badly in in a car crash um, and then ultimately, you know, killed. And, you know, it's 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 a hit and run driver. The young man was walking across Brady Street to meet up with friends when police say an SUV smashed into him. The police department says the driver took off. The person behind the wheel has yet to be found. And of course, now we understand that that's that's not a unique case. And by the way, I understand not all not all hit and runs are the same. And this is you, if you sideswipe a car and you drive off, that is a hit and run. You you kill somebody in the intersection, that is a hit and run. So I appreciate that they're not all the same. But at the same time, th- this is a staggering number. I mean, when you think of, like, for example, how big the city of Milwaukee is, and you think about how many car crashes occur on on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, and the fact that three out of every 10 of those car accidents results in the person driving off? I mean, seriously, leaving behind victims, leaving behind, you know, the, the damage that has been caused, you know, if it's your vehicle or, you know, it, or, you know, your friends or your family or whatever. It's it's we got to do better. Norbert in West Dallas, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I am well. Thank you, sir. What's your story? I was in an accident about two weeks ago. woman ran the red light, completely demolished my car. I only have uh, 11 payments left on it. And my insurance deductible, I didn't realize it, is 1500 bucks. Yep. So they paid off the car, and I ended up with four grand. Where do you go and find the car now with the way prices are? Yep. Yeah, good luck with that. Right, I- exactly. Did um, were you injured at all? No, I. I the Lord was with me. Yeah, yeah, that's. But you know what, Jeff? Now when I drive and I get to an intersection, I just cautiously slow down just to make sure no one's running a light. Oh yeah, no, there's no 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 thank no thank you. there's no Norbert there's no question about that. I mean you you drive around here and and you have to practice defensive driving. There, there's no question about it. And by that I mean oh the light is green. Does that I I will tell you right okay when I go home I come out of our parking garage I take a right and then there there's a, a light that's there. I never um, I cross the it's Michigan. I never cross that street. Never ever light green, light red doesn't matter. I never cross that without slowing down and looking both ways because I fully expect some car to be driving like a bat out of you know where at seventy miles an hour, blowing through the red light, and I don't want to be that next statistic. Because why do people do that? Because they can. They, they get away with that. Glenn on the west side. Glenn, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Um, I was telling your screener, uh, the statistics actually don't bear out the whole, the entire story. Um, I was a victim of hit and run a little over a year ago. Um, police would not even come out and investigate because the other car wasn't there. Went down to the police department to file a, a report, gave them a description of the car, although I did not have a plate number. And the now it was an older vehicle, so the damage it it was it was repairable, but it wasn't you know 
exorbitant. Yeah. But their whole attitude was, what do you want us to do about it? Well, you know we're not going to catch this guy. <laughs> and you're going to file a police report, which is going to raise your insurance rates. And the whole thing was like, uh, go away. You're going <laughs> to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt us. we got to do paperwork. It's, it was, you're just going to be a number on a piece of paper. It was the whole, yeah. it, it was like, so... Yeah. 32%, how many go unreported? Yeah. I tried to report, and they blew me off. You know? How, what are we it, at 40%? Yeah, are what an interesting perspective. Sort of 50? Yeah, right. Are we, you know, how, high are, how high is the actual number? Wow. You know, that's, you know, you make an outstanding point. People that just decide, well, I'm not going to call, or maybe it's like you say, minor damage or whatever, so I'm not going to call it in because I know they're not going to do anything about this. It's just, and the I, police are encouraging you to not report, right? Because they don't have the they they, you know, sir, Glenn, you know, don't you realize that we're out there? You know, we we've got we've got homicide rate that's out of control, and we've got you know armed robberies, and we've got all these other things, and you want us to take time to investigate somebody that you know did a thousand dollars worth of damage to your car or whatever? Come on, get real, and we're not going to catch him anyway. And it, right, and then of course the next thing is even if they do catch them, the question's going to be okay. So it's hit and run, but you didn't kill anybody, you didn't seriously injure anybody. Oh, you want us to charge that case? Well, don't you understand? Some judge is going to laugh us out of court. We can't charge these. That the whole system, Glenn, is just busted. It's just flat out busted. Absolutely. I, no, thanks for call. Great, great point and great story. I mean, which is, see, th- this all goes back to something that I, I talk, and I understand I sound like a broken record on it. I, I understand that, but it, it's one thing after another. It goes back to the whole idea of broken windows theory of policing that we, we used to do. The fact that, that little stuff, and I'm, by the way, not suggesting little stuff that, that a hit and run is a little thing, but it's the idea that we want to be aggressive. We want to say we're going to enforce the laws. We're going to say that, you know, you, you can't just drive down the street, sideswipe a bunch of cars, drive off, and we're just not going to try to catch you. And we're going to catch you, and then we're going to prosecute you, and then there's going to be some consequence for that. That's the whole idea. Stop the smaller stuff before it becomes bigger stuff. How many, you just kind of wonder, I mean, how many of the people that are killed in these hit-and-run accidents, how many times do you think that that was the hit-and-run driver's first time at the rodeo? You know, how many times has the person been out there driving without insurance, driving, you know, recklessly, all those different types of things? And I, I say this repeatedly, but I firmly believe it. I think the the chattering class, the the mayor of the city of Milwaukee, the common council, the board of supervisors, and by the way, the state legislature and certainly the governor, I think they are so far behind where the general people, where people generally are in this. People are tired of this crap. That wasn't the word I was thinking of, but that's the word we'll use on the radio. They're, they're tired of it. They're sick of being held hostage to that percentage of people who don't give a rat's rump about anybody else who engage in this type of antisocial behavior. And why do they do it? They do it because they can. That's just the answer, because they know there's not much chance they're going to be caught. Why do I want to stop? I'm a convicted felon. I've got a gun under the seat. I've just slammed into a car. Well, if I stop, 
you know, the cops are going to come out and they're going to find out I'm a convicted felon. They're going to find I've got a gun under the seat of the car. They're going to find out that I haven't had a driver's license since I was 16 years old. Now I'm 35 and I'm going to go off to jail. Well, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to drive off because the chances are they're never going to find me again. And you know what? These numbers indicate that there's probably a good chance of that. Until we start saying that this is a big deal, until we start making a commitment that we are going to investigate and prosecute these types of crimes, whether it's reckless driving or whether it's hit and run. And to me, look, hit and run's a big deal. It's a, I concede, it is a bigger deal if you kill somebody when you hit them in an intersection. But it's still a big deal when you smash into somebody's car in that intersection and then drive off. It shouldn't be something that you get a, not get out of jail free card on, but you get a pass. Oh, we can't even investigate this because, oh, we're too busy. And then even if we do catch you, we're not going to do anything. You deserve better. Now, a number of people are asking, what are what are the stats for different communities? And, and the answer is, I do not know that other than other than the city of Milwaukee. The percentage of crashes that result in hit and runs is 32 percent. So three out of every 10 statewide, the number is 16 percent. And my understanding is that the percentage, that 32%, is twice as high as the hit-and-run rate in Madison, Green Bay, and the state as a whole. So if, if those numbers are correct, that would mean in Madison, one okay, 1.6 out of every 10, less than 2 in 10, people drive off. In Milwaukee, it's more than 3. Um, once again, the city of Milwaukee leading the state of Wisconsin, an indicator that nobody wants. 32%. Staggering. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff, when liability insurance became mandatory in Wisconsin, I was happy to see it. As with everything, it's not complied with or enforced. Responsibility is an option at best. Right. That's why, again, just backtracking on something I said earlier, and and I'm, I'm not an insurance agent, nor do I play one on the radio. But one of the things, especially, well, if, forget around, certainly around here, but everywhere, you want to look at is uninsured and underinsured motorist coverage. Um, like automobile liability insurance that you're supposed to carry, that protects you. If you are at fault, you cause a collision, you are at fault, that will, up to the limits, that will pay you know, for the injuries that you have, have caused. So a lot of the liability insurance is to protect you and the assets you have if you cause a, dam- a damage. Well, what about the situation where you're injured um, and it's not your fault? You know, you're hit by the, you know, 20-year-old driving the stolen car who hits you and drives off and the police can't find him. Well, okay, um, uninsured and underinsured motorist coverage covers you in those sort of situations where you are the victim. And it's just something that I, I, I believe in it a lot because that's where you're protecting you. So if, if you know, you're listening to this and you're, well, I hear this uninsured and underinsured motorist coverage, you know, what's talking about to the extent that you can afford it and to the extent you can afford as much of it as you can, I, I just recommend it because that's where you're protecting yourself 
in the event uh, that is increasing more likely around here that you're hit by somebody who, again, driving that stolen car or driving that car with no insurance and with no driver's license or whatever and causes injury to you, this is a way that you can protect yourself. So uh, enough of that soapbox story. But it's something that I, I do think that, you know, people should look at. Okay, here is... The latest example, and this is a story, unfortunately, that you could talk about on a daily basis. Anthony Marcel Hernandez, who, by the way, came in, he's 20 years old, came into the criminal justice system April 3rd of 2022. Okay, this is April 3rd of 2022 when he was arrested for um, operating a stolen vehicle um, passenger. Okay, Um Three counts of that arrested. He appeared and was released on a fifteen hundred dollar signature bond. Well, okay, we're we're never going to have to worry about that particular thing because while Anthony Marcel Hernandez was out on bond for the uh, you know stolen car thing, here's what happened on July twenty eighth of July twenty eighth of twenty. 22, which was um, about three and a half months after he'd been charged with being, you know, in the stolen car. All right. Police officers spotted Hernandez driving a 2022 Kia Sportage at South Greeley Street and East Deer Place, July 28th and July 28th, 2022, and chased him. The vehicle had been reported stolen a day earlier from South Kinnikinnick Avenue, and officers attempted to stop it. The driver, well, we know this story, wouldn't pull over and led police on a pursuit that stretched for nearly nine miles at speeds that reached 65 miles an hour, according to the criminal complaint. The chase ended near near Wisconsin Avenue and North 35th Street, I don't know, about 25 blocks down from where I'm sitting now, when the stolen vehicle ran a red light, slammed into a 2011 Chevy Equinox. The crash sent the Kia into a Honda Odyssey driven by a 77-year-old man. The man was taken to the hospital, put on a ventilator. He died August 7th. Police say he was driving lawfully through the intersection when his vehicle was struck. Hernandez was also injured, had to be hospitalized. The driver in the Equinox suffered um, a minor injury. So you get the idea. There's the guys driving the stolen car. The police try to pull him over. He takes off, leads them on a chase, and then 35th in Wisconsin slams into a couple cars. Now one person is dead. Prosecutors say in court papers that Hernandez disregarded stop signs and traffic lights during the chase, nearly struck multiple other vehicles. A court record show Hernandez was out on bond, Yes, this would be the $1,500 signature bond that he was put on before driving a stolen car at the time of the crash. Yep. So obviously this signature bond and the supervision he had did a lot to discourage him from going out and being in another um, stolen car and leading the cops on a high-speed chase. Once again, these signature bonds are complete and total jokes. They are laughable. And as long as the court commissioners continue to use them, they will continue to put people at risk. So anyhow, gets caught driving the stolen car. They turn him loose immediately on a $1,500 signature bond, which means you don't have to put up a dime. And a couple months later, he's leading the police on a high-speed chase, hits and kills a a man. Um, 
the, the story in the journal Sentinel talks about there's been a major increase in the number of police chases, more than 6,600 pursuits from 2007 to 2002, fleeing suspects injured in 13% of them, third parties in, uh, interviewed in 4% of them. So I don't know if the point is maybe the police shouldn't chase, which isn't, of course, the answer. But the problem is, once again, that we turn these people loose, back out on the streets. Probation is a joke. This signature bond for people is a joke. You get this 20-year-old kid that you catch driving a stolen car, and you just turn them loose as fast as the cops catch them. Should we be surprised that a couple months later he's back out again driving another stolen car? He runs from the cops, and a 77-year-old man is dead. Now, you want to put the blame where the blame lies. Obviously, it's on the 20-year-old thug who has now killed somebody driving the stolen car. So, I mean, first of all, that's where it is. But for everybody out there would say, well, the police shouldn't chase. No, because what do you think is going to happen? Do you think that this guy, if you just let him drive off, do you think that that is going to change his behavior? Being arrested and being put out on bond didn't change his behavior. It's just that you gave him an opportunity and encouragement to do it all again, and now somebody is dead. Here's the bottom line. Until the judicial system wakes up, until the court commissioners stop treating these people who steal cars and things of the like like that, until they do that, you're never, ever, ever going to make things better. Another example of the failure of the system. Our long local nightmare is almost over. Uh, so there's a major water main break that happened, um, well, I think it was like last Thursday, near East Wisconsin Avenue and North Broadway, that's closed the, the street between Broadway and, and Mason, because major thing. What's happened is, because that's where the, the trolley runs, they, they've had to, it's taken out the trolley lines, so nobody's been able to ride the, the hop for the last week or so. Now, the reason that you don't hear a lot about that is because nobody rides the hop. I mean, it, let, let's face it, it's just this, it's like, oh, the, the streetcar is out. Oh, well, that's that's too bad. What they've started doing is they've started, like, doing, instead of spending $100 million or whatever they did to build the hop, they've done what they should have done. They've just added a couple bus routes. They've rerouted a couple buses, and they're letting people ride it for free. So you, you don't have to worry about the hop. If you want to get to the limited places that the hop goes, you can do it on the bus. But for those of you who really, really miss the hop, you miss that air trolley, you miss maybe standing on a street corner and saying, let's count the number of people who are riding on the hop. Let's see, there's there's, there's nobody. For those of you who, who miss having the fun of doing that, well, your nightmare is over because they think by the weekend or maybe the early part of next week at the latest, the hop will be back in service, not that anybody will notice. And they want to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to expand it. How crazy is that? Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Yeah, see, what they did to, to avoid the, the national or at least the local nightmare of people not being able to ride the hop because the streetcar line was taken out with the water main break is they took two Milwaukee County transit buses that, that are now running the route at roughly the same frequency at the hop. Now, of course, they're doing it at a fraction of, of the cost. I don't know if anybody's more likely to ride the bus than they would be to ride the hop, but you do it at a fraction of the cost. And again, it demonstrates the insanity of a fixed rail line. 
because when things like this happen, for example, you 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 know you you can't continue to run the streetcar. You have to switch to buses, which raises the question about why don't we use buses in the first place? You know, use the rubber tire trolleys that gives you the flexibility. You don't have to go down to the lakefront in November, December, January, February, March when there's nothing going on at the lakefront. You need the I don't know the flexibility that hey the Bucks have a playoff game in April, but nothing's going to be going on there in I don't know. August, fine, you can add some of these like rubber tire trolleys to move people around. The buses give you flexibility. The hop, the streetcar does nothing like that. To consider spending hundreds of millions of dollars to expand it is crazy with a capital C. All right, a lot of great stuff coming up right after the top of the hour news. Stick around.